Welcome to Sales and Ales, a podcast about the stuff that actually goes on in sales from two regular dudes who've been doing it for a while, and we also were just trying to find a reason to drink beer together. Each episode is going to feature a adult beverage that relates somehow to the topic we're covering. So today we're going to cover what I think is an unfortunately hot topic, which is layoffs, specifically what to do as a salesperson when when you get that the old boot. And so we were thinking about what should we drink in honor of this pretty shitty occasion? And we thought of a miserable beer that you would drink in a dark bar. And so we chose PBR. And the good news is they usually serve nice. this with a shot. So uh, I guess let's let's have a sip and uh, we'll get going here. So let's let's crack yeah. it open. There we go. Nice. Smells smells like oh. desperation. Oh my goodness. <clears throat> it just really doesn't mm. taste good. Tastes like the days when you need to really stretch a $5 bill at the bar, you know? <laughs> right. I'm like looking for the shot. Like where's yeah. the shot of, of well whiskey? Oh, um, yeah. That just sits at the top of the stomach. That's disgusting. All right. <laughs> Before we get started, uh, we have a, a lot to talk about today. Unfortunately, there's a lot going on, especially in sort of the tech sales world with layoffs. But we're going to post materials that we think are helpful. Some of them will be created by us. Some of them will be, you know, stuff that's available for use that we find. That's going to be made available on salesandales.com. So be sure to check that out. There'll be a sign up link to get emails from us and stay in touch with us on social and things like that. So make sure you check out salesandales.com. So let's get it cooking. I was thinking about this. Like we were talking about stuff that we could cover. I think we both sort of danced around this topic of what to do when you get laid off. I was thinking about some steps that I think everybody can go through. And it doesn't necessarily apply to sales, but I think it's important as a salesperson to to go through these steps after you get laid off. So what happens right after you get that news? So you've had a pretty uncomfortable meeting with HR and your manager, who you probably thought was your friend, sort of gives you the bad news that that this is it. It's all very formal. It's very cold. Um, yeah. And so, or even in some of these cases, we've heard they're doing just, hey, hop on this Zoom in 20 minutes and they're letting, you know, tens, hundreds of people go at a time, right? Uh, you might not even, you might not even have a one on one conversation in today's world, which is right. Kind of they're just trying to get it done. So, I mean, look, I, what I was thinking is because I've been through this and I know you've been through this before as well, but, I think the first thing that I think we should mention is that it, it is okay, I think, to take some time to feel your feelings, right? So you're probably going through a lot. If this is the first time that you're getting laid off or fired or whatever it is, you're probably angry, hurt, mad, disappointed, you know, you feel betrayed, or maybe you're you're feeling sorry for yourself. So I think step one is feel that, be in that moment, take a day get it all out. I think it's okay to take a day to get it all out. You've been laid off before, right? Yeah. Yeah. I guess, unfortunately, in in most cases, it happened twice. But yeah, I couldn't agree more, right? I mean, it's, you know, depending on what line of work you're in and where you're kind of at in your career, there's going to be a lot of emotion attached to it. We 
spend a lot of time working and a lot of time invested in, in becoming pretty good at, at our professional careers. I think it's really good to work through those feelings and maybe go do something that typically you don't have the time to do because you're working. Reset mentally, get yourself kind of, you know, back to, back to neutral, as we like to say. I think this helps give you a, a clearer mind kind of moving forward. Nobody wants to go into conversations where you might still be, whether it's hurt or angry or, or, or kind of having those emotions bottled in. And I think both of us have probably either done this or seen this. You step into that next yeah. conversation and you haven't really fully dealt with the emotional blowback. And so that next meeting, whether it's for networking to get an interview or at the interview, you kind of let it all out because that person inadvertently is lending an ear. So I think it's, I think it is just important to, to kind of go blow off the steam, get it out of your head. And while it's not something you're probably going to move on from right away, you know, getting it, getting it out is, is a good thing, I think. So I think yeah. the, the, the sort of footnote here is don't let that linger. I've seen a lot of people let this linger too long where they'll start to say stuff like, you know what, I'm just going to take a month to get my head straight and then I'll go back in the game or I'll start looking for, you know, people to network with or get interviewing. And, and the problem with that is the timeline to get a new role, especially now, it could take you two months, right? And so if you're voluntarily waiting 30 days to get over this, look, if you can financially absorb that, okay, great. But to me, the severance doesn't last long. If Even if you've got any severance, that's not a given. And B, you're going to be out of the game too long, right? You're going to get stale sitting on the sidelines feeling bad for yourself, especially in sales where you need the edge, right? You need to be alert. You need to be ready to go. So I think your points are well taken. Blow the steam off, get it out, but don't let that lag too long. Maybe a day or two, feel sorry for yourself. And then I think it's time to take more action from there. I think if you let it go on too long, right, then you're kind of wallowing in it. I think 24, 48 hours is probably good. You know, I think one thing that's really important with this is kind of reflecting, right? What I mean by that is I think sometimes people take one of two routes in this. I think one way that people go about it is they kind of blast through applying to every single open job, whether it's sales, <laughs> engineering, just whatever firing it is, them out right? there. Just Machine firing gun. them out there, right? Yeah. You're going on yep. monster.com, Indeed, some of these sites that are, you know, a little unruly. The way I think about it is, I think taking a more nuanced approach probably makes more sense reflecting on what, what you want moving forward, right? What did you like about your previous role? How do you want to advance your career? What type of industry or personas do you want to, to sell to? What have been some of your biggest accomplishments that you can point to or maybe generate social proof with? I know everyone's all over LinkedIn these days, you know, posting and getting recommendations, writing recommendations. Those are some of the things I tend to think about. I also think when you yeah. mass apply, you create this additional headache of burnout because you're kind of... It's mindless. I get, well, mindless, and I get why you're doing it, but you're almost creating a situation where you're setting yourself... It's like cold calling at that point, right? Yes. If you don't have the right mindset, you're going to send out 100 applications. 98 people aren't going to respond or give you a negative response, and the two people <laughs> that do respond, you probably don't even want to talk to anyway. Um, 100%. I, I think I think you nailed it, right? I think that that the reflection part 
is key. And I think a lot of people don't do this because the person that you're reporting to is yourself on this. Like, right. right. It's really hard to do things where the person that you're rolling up to is yourself because it's easy to cut corners. So I like that idea of, of reflection. I think it's important to write stuff down just so you have a sense, you could see it in front of you. Now I understand some people are a specific type of learners. So whatever, you know, works for you in this, in this area, I think is fine, but somehow getting a list out there of stuff that you liked about the product you were selling, the ACV, the prospect you were talking to, the volume of calls you had to make, the sales cycle internally, the culture of your team, how large do you like the company to be? I think there's a lot of factors. And so you can almost create a matrix of, of factors to consider and then just write some stuff down as to what you liked and, and didn't like. We're actually, I think what we're going to do is provide a template. So if you go to salesandales.com and click on this episode, uh, we'll provide a template to to help make some of these decisions and reflect. And when you write it all down and have it in one place, I think the other thing that this starts to do is one, it starts to give you the framework for you to maybe re- rework your resume a little bit and rework the story that you tell. And two, which is when we were talking about this originally, something that you said that I liked, which is, you know, you made a poker reference, which is you only remember your bad beats. And, you know, there's a lot of good that you've done. There's a lot of, of stuff that you've done in your career that has been productive. And and so I think it's good to get a list of accomplishments and things you liked, things you didn't out there to remember some of the good stuff. Something I started doing a few years ago is I keep quarterly Google Doc and I put a lot of that stuff in there, especially the positive. I think when you get into these situations, you start scrambling and you're like, what did I do? And what were my numbers? And right. what was this project I was involved in? Or what were some of the extra things I did? And, and in the moment, it's probably driving impact and you're excited to work on it. But as we each have a lot going on, both personally and professionally, you inevitably forget about it. And then when you need to speak about yourself, which is probably a skill set that a lot of us, I, I know myself, I, I don't really do that every day. It's almost like interviewing it's not natural. And so you do have really to difficult. Have that. Like it's difficult. Yeah. hundred percent is difficult. So you kind of have to like think about it and rehearse it. And so I, I don't know, for me, I, I do try to keep a running tab of those things just so when it does come up, I'm like, okay, I can kind of point back to, you know, here's what we did and here's some facts and numbers to point to and how to wrap some stories around that. And I found that to be super helpful. I know it sounds weird to say rehearse, uh, for an interview when you're talking about right. yourself. For me, I, I kind of tend to just gloss over or forget about that stuff. So it, it helps. Whoever's listening here may not have five, six previous roles to where they can they feel like they can tell a story, but it's something that I've been thinking about, which is, wow, this story really matters. <laughs> right. The, like the story and the why. A lot of recruiters and a lot of people that are going to be talking to you in this next phase are going to all dance around this same thing, which is like, tell me how you got here. And they're going to want the Cliff Notes version of your life as an adult. It's it's very weird. They're going to be like, so like, you know, tell us the story. So you're in sales and uh, you had a couple of these other roles, so your BDR. They may ask a pointed question. Like, why did you make that jump at that point? The good recruiters will just ask those questions because they care and they're naturally curious. 
the bad ones will just reading off a template. So you got to be ready for, for either, but wow, the story and how it sounds, especially as you get deeper into your career and the why behind some of the decisions that you've made, man, I, I didn't realize, I think in a couple of times I've gone through this, I'm always surprised that that story really, really matters, right? hundred percent thinking about it. I, I guess for me, this happened somewhat recently, but it was last May, June, July of 2022. After taking a few of these recruiting calls, just as you described, right? I was like, okay, kind of taking an analytical approach. I'm like, well, I've done five calls. All five of them have pretty much asked these same questions. All five times I was pretty much unprepared to kind of get into <laughs> it or at least come up with something coherent on the fly. So I was like, I need to sit down and kind of figure this out and workshop it. But that's a good point that I, I, I didn't think about either is that for some of the folks listening, this could be first time this is happening. This could also just be your first time you're in a role, you're maybe somewhat successful, maybe really successful, and you're just looking to go get that next role. Um, so I think in either of these scenarios, it, it, it probably helps to, to have that because sometimes you're going to work with recruiters, I think, that, that really do care and they, and they take a very exact approach and, and they want to help you. They're going to sit down with you and say, look, we can't have you rolling into this meeting blabbering on. Here's the things that this job's going to care about. Here's the things that we care about internally. It's also a good kind of mechanism for you to see like, okay, does this org have things together and does it match what I'm looking for next? Where we're at is I think you take some time, limited amount of time to be in your feelings, process the information, get back to neutral. And so an, an idea I had on what's next is I think it's time to start to play some offense at this point, right? Like you've gone through yep. this reflection and you're digging deep into the psyche on what's next. And it could be sort of a profoundly emotional experience to go through. So if it were me and what I've done in the past, I start to create a target list of companies based on what I just did in that exercise of what I like and what I don't like. So I start looking at things like Crunchbase and LinkedIn and you know, angel list or whatever resources I have out there. And I start to create a list of companies, products, deal sizes, segments that fit what I would like and maybe don't have what I dislike. And then I'm going to yep. start applying to those and then sort of systematically attack that target list and setting goals. I don't think you should apply to every job under the sun. I really don't think if you can avoid it, I don't think that's the way to go. I think the danger there, people are like, why? It can't hurt. Okay. It can though, because if you get a bunch of BS callbacks from recruiters that where the job doesn't make sense or the company isn't right, you are going to waste a ton of time on 30 minute recruiter yep. calls that go nowhere. And so you want to be ready for the calls that actually mean something. You're a salesperson. You know how to do this already, right? right. Hopefully you right. do. Set a goal, whether it's five a day, 10 a day, and not stop until you hit them. I think you need to hold yourself personally accountable and do this every single day and treat it like, like it's your job. I think playing offense is a great way to describe it. Send a message, stand out from the crowd, do, do something yes. different. I'm pretty much on LinkedIn all day, every day. If you are researching the company, researching the role and you're on LinkedIn or you'll probably get a good understanding of who the hiring manager is or who the recruiter is, or somebody at the company that you can hit up <laughs> and find out who the right person to talk to is, right? I've seen some stuff going around LinkedIn where people have like gone and I guess found the hiring manager and they're going and sending like cameos or 
getting stuff delivered to them and stuff. So I think that's maybe going a little bit far. I, I think it's cool and interesting, but you know, I think for me, do that, right? You would be surprised at how many people where they're just mindlessly applying and it's like, they're going to get caught up in the hundreds of other applicants that are coming in. LinkedIn even shows you how many people have applied, right? I think when you go onto the job posting, it's like 120 other applicants. You're also showcasing your skill set in doing the job, right? That, that's the person I want to talk to, you know, 10 times out of 10. So, yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> it's actually funny when you start to sit down and think about this, how many parallels there are between job hunting and sales, <laughs> right? right? You're, selling, like, you're selling yourself, I guess, in a, in a good way, right? <laughs> right. What a product to be selling. But I think you're absolutely right. It, it's like cold emailing, right? I think you made this yeah. point, which I think is important, which is like, are you going to stand out? Which people stand out? The reps that go above and beyond and make a meaningful connection or the ones that just hit the email button or throw up a cadence and throw their hands up and say, well, you know, whatever happens, happens. I think that, that that's one part of this. And I think the other part of this is when you get one of these opportunities on the line, you've sent a note to the recruiter, you've applied and they call you back and they say, hey, you know, I got your note or I got your application. Let's talk. That's yeah. mutual interest. That's, right. you know, you raised your hand. They, you know, saw you raising your hand and, and read what you had to say. And now they want to talk more. I think that just provides a way better basis to jump off of than cold applications, emailing back and forth. Even though we haven't really talked about what to do when recruiters hit you up either, which, you know, we could, we if we have time, we can cover that. But I just yeah. think that there are going to be recruiters that hit you up. You should take those calls depending on the opportunity. But a lot of people just do that. And I think the point we're making here is you need to play offense. You need to take control and you need to have daily standards as to what you go and do every single day. And you need to hold yourself accountable to that. I agree. I, I, the daily standard part is, is huge, right? It also starts to give you something to look forward to. Set a number could be arbitrary. You could say, I'm going to do, I'm going to try to find 10 of these today. And then maybe you right. go through doing this for a week and you're like, all right, I found 30 companies. So more realistic is I'm going to find six or seven of these a day. And then you kind of know your measuring stick, you know, for each week, right? You're essentially running a sales process out there for, for yourself. I think one of the, the biggest things that happens, especially as the job hunt continues, right? I was in this situation a couple months ago. Um, you know, you start to, you're really heavily focused on like applying and getting that next role and making sure things are rolling forward in, in your personal life with bills and things that pile up. But one thing I think that helps me uh, in these situations, I, I should probably do this more often, not just when something like this pops up, but keeping that thought process of professional development going at all times. Like what are some things you can do that also help you improve a skill or showcase that you're a continuous learner? For some people, it could be reading a book, maybe jumping into some certification or some type of course. Um, I know something, Andrew, you and I have been pretty big on in the past three, four months is, is getting our, our physical health back into a, a good We're trying. Right? We're trying. Yeah, yeah, we're trying. You know? Shout out DadBot um, Steve, by the way. We love DadBot Steve. Yeah, DadBot Steve, which is which is cool. Um, yep. So I don't know. That, that's kind of how I, I approach it or think about it. What do you think? Yeah. It couldn't be a bigger point here, which is that you're going to have now this new daily, you know, 
life that you're living. And it's probably going to look a little something like this. You're going to wake up. If you hold yourself accountable to your outreach goals, you're going to do that. Honestly, doesn't take that long, right? You know, applying to 10 jobs now, you know, if it's 10 a day, whatever that is, you're going to be sending 50 applications a week. That takes a few hours. So you're going to wake up, you're going to do your applications. You're going to feel accomplished. Hey, you might even have a recruiter call or two, right? There'll be these little 30 minute meetings that you're going to have to manage. Um, okay. It takes another hour or so per day, call it another hour and a half. Then you're just going to have this like large chunk of time where what was previously filled by work is now unfilled. So right. I think your point about starting a new productive habit is a good one because I think as human beings, we are naturally predisposed to fill that time with stuff that is pretty much useless. So I'm talking about video games, you know, uh, drinking, right? A lot of the things, a lot of the habits that we fall into watching TV, Netflix. Um, but I think your your point is right, which is creating a new habit, whether that's reading a book, learning a new skill, rounding yourself out in some way, look, you'll get the result, which is, you know, a new habit or whatever the benefit is that you're getting from that habit or that book or whatever it is, or that course. The other thing, man, is it keeps you in the game, keeps you accountable to something, keeps you working on something, especially if it's project-based, doesn't even have to be work-related. Don't go learn how to do woodworking at your local Home Depot, you know, where they do free classes, go learn how to do photography at the Apple store where they have photography classes, do what you can to stay sharp and dedicated to something, get in the gym. If you're able, things like that, I think are important um, because again, you're going to have this large blob of time that is now unfilled. Now, look, if you have a family, if you have a house, if you have other obligations, you're taking care of a loved one, obviously you now have more time to dedicate to that. But if you find yourself, I think with a ton of free time, my advice is, you know what, play some video games. That's fine but make sure you're taking the majority of that time and filling it with something productive. And on that note, I think the last thing is it's around personal standards, right? Creating a routine, showering every day, getting dressed every day, no matter what, making your bed, keeping yourself or getting yourself into a routine where you're not sitting around. I think there's this personal excellence aspect to this, which is like, just be regimented and excellent and great, even though you're in between jobs or even though you just got laid off, create those daily routines and invest in yourself. And I'm talking to the right guy because I know you're a big routine guy. So I know you have a lot of things that you do in the morning. You walk the dog, you take care of the family, whatever that might be. But what do you think about this specifically related to getting laid off? I think it's really hard not to do this. I actually, I think I'm a big believer in the make the bed every day. I think it just helps set off the right momentum for the day. It's it's a small little task. It starts off the day. It gets you into your rhythm, into your routine. I actually make the bed when I get up in the morning to go to the gym and Kate's like still sleeping. I like make my side of the bed because it like, (laughs) I don't know. She probably hates that. Yeah, she definitely probably hates it. But I'm like, all right, it's 5.15 in the morning. This is a quick win when I'm about to go to the gym and like try to lift a bunch of heavy weights. I hate the feeling of like being hectic in the morning, right? Like I'm checking my phone. I my your brain gets clogged because you have like kind of a to-do list. So I think this just helps you set up to go after the things you need to do that day. And I guess what it really comes down to is prioritization. So you don't feel, you know, so rushed, right. As the day is kind of moving along and you're getting the things done that you need to get done. And 
Yeah. Does every single day start like that? I mean, I wish, but you know, that's not how it, not how it rolls sometimes. Right. But you know, I think whatever that thing is, build out that routine, think about it, have it kind of planned, you know, go for it each day. Right. I know a big one for you that I don't know if we touched on, but I guess we'll just throw this out there real quick. So look, this is going to happen, right? It's kind of potentially going to happen to everybody in, in some of the spaces that we work in. If you are going to post on LinkedIn, I think one recommendation that both of us would like vehemently go for is, is be positive, right? In, in kind of your outreach or posts. I know it's so tough. glad you brought this up. I'm so glad. I you know. This up. Yeah. I know it's, you might be posting this like five minutes after you just heard the news. I'd probably take a deep breath and maybe wait a day or two. And and what I would try to put in that post, I, so I see a lot of people like I'm laid off, I'm looking for work, looking for my next thing. Try to be specific. Here's what I'm looking for. Here's who I'm hoping to talk to. Here's my information. Here's what I've done. Here's my resume. Give them some actionable things to get in contact with you or to start a conversation. I know you probably agree, but that, that'd be my last like, little little tip, I guess, or or whatnot as these situations kind of unfold. So this made me really mad. I don't know if you yeah. remember. I think yes. I left you a voice note. <laughs> it started to really bother me. And I'm glad you brought it up. And my main point when I brought this up to you the first time is you aren't required to post that you got laid off. There's no rule yeah. that says you get laid off. Let me tell every single person on LinkedIn that I got laid off. I think some of the points that you made are, are are very, very true. LinkedIn is there for a reason. It's there for networking. If LinkedIn and your connections on LinkedIn could lead to your next role, I think that's great. But I think your clarification around being specific is very, very important. Everybody posted the same thing for like yep. three months. Oh, sad to say, after a two-year run due to the recent tech layoffs, my position's been eliminated. Hashtag open to work. That was it. Right. And then the right. comments pour in of, hey, if I can connect you to anybody in my network, let me know. I'm here for you. Wow, that's so that's so terrible. It's so sad. Reposting for visibility. I think it's all very nice. It's nicey nice, right? But I yep. think I think your point about be specific and and actually put out there what you're looking for. What type of role, what type of product, what type of segment? And then I would honestly hold people accountable that if I was going to post something, I would reach out to every single person that said, let me know what I can do for you. I would reach out to them and be like, hey, I saw this role at your company. Help me get in touch with this hiring manager. Otherwise, yeah, yeah. what you're doing, here's the here's the drawback to this, but you are broadcasting to the world that out of the 10, 20% of people that your company decided to let go, you were not part of the 80% that they chose to keep. Now, some of that is not in your control, right? They got rid of a department. They got rid of a function. That happens. There's nothing you could do about that, performance or not. But then there's some conversations that happen around performance and around who do we keep out of this team of 15? We needed to get to seven. Who are the seven that we keep? And they chose seven other people that are not you. And so I think that if you're not specific and not aggressive with how you manage this, you're broadcasting to the world that you weren't part of the group that is staying. And I don't necessarily think as a salesperson that that sends the right message. Got to 
got to be specific and, and you got to make it worth your time. You want to create positive conversations and positive momentum for yourself. So use the tool, right? Use the tool, use, the tool. use LinkedIn the right way, but using LinkedIn to, as a vent to feel better, fine. But then actually use the responses that you get in a productive way. Otherwise, I think it sends the wrong message. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. Go on Twitter. Plenty of people ripping their employers on Twitter. <laughs> to We can wrap this up. There's obviously other things that you could probably be doing or things that we missed. But I think the, the five steps, we can recap this, right? Which is take some time to reflect, get yourself back to an emotionally neutral state or even an emotionally positive state. That's that's probably the ideal, right? Totally. Um, do some reflecting, document things that you like, don't like about roles that you've had or roles that you want or things that you want to avoid, things that you want to run towards. There's probably a goal setting aspect to this as well, which is like, how much do you want to earn? And what are your intrinsic and extrinsic goals that you have for yourself as you move into this next role? The play offense portion, which is, you know, going out there and, and getting pretty aggressive about applying to companies that fit what you want and, and fit where you're trying to go and not just stopping at the application phase. So, you know, chasing the, the recruiter down um, and we're going to have some templates where we can help you get started and reaching out to some of these hiring managers and recruiters, enriching yourself, creating a new habit, productive habit, filling some of that gray space now in your day, if you're able with something that's moving the ball forward. And the fifth thing is creating a routine and, and sticking to it as much as you can, whether it's getting up every day and making your bed or getting dressed, job hunting with your regular work clothes on. I mean, it's these little things that I think stack up and start to be important. We'll post these tips. We'll post some content on salesandales.com. I guess now it's on us to finish these beers and hopefully this was helpful and we hope to stay in touch with you on salesandales.com and um, we'll talk to you all real soon.